Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Jay Helms, founder of this movement and podcast known as the W2 Capitalist. If this is your first time discovering the W2 Capitalist, we as a W2 Capitalist are here as a resource to help you and your family build wealth so that you and your spouse can spend more time with your kids. We are here to help you create a bigger nest egg and eventually gravitate you toward building generational wealth so that you can pass those on to your kids. They can pass it on to their kids and so on and so forth. Before we get into today's episode with April Crossley, I want to point you to our sponsor, Quest Trust. Quest is my self-directed IRA custodian. They were not my first self-directed IRA custodian, but they have definitely shown me that there is a night and day difference between IRA custodians. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, if you have an old IRA from a previous employer, you haven't worked there Let's just say you got let go yesterday or you left them yesterday. You can take your old 401k or your old retirement plan, convert it into a self-directed IRA and use those monies to invest in real estate, invest in businesses, do all sorts of really cool stuff to build your nest egg that uh, is going to be free from what the stock market does, right? And it's going to be less vulnerable than what you're going to see in a traditional 401k, right? But the experts on this, and this is who I want to point you to, are the folks at Quest. You can you can connect with them. Go to w2capitalist.com forward slash Quest. Schedule your free console, and they will tell you how to set it up, how to how, what you can and cannot invest in, and give you some guidance on the ways you identify some uh, investment vehicles. April and I talk about in this episode how she's using money from her self-directed RA to loan for private money to other people who are flipping. Uh, I just started doing this. I became added private money lender to my resume this year uh, as I invested into a business or loan money to a business, very short term, very quick turnaround uh, on that cash. So anyway, find out more w2capitalist.com forward slash quest. The link is also in the show notes for you to grab as well, but let's get into today's episode with April Crossley. capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Y'all, so today's very special guest is April Crossley. April is a noble investor who helps people grow wealth with real estate. A teenage mom, April graduated college, began a healthcare career, started a real estate business, and grew that business to be able to retire at age 35. Now, living the RV life, which we'll get into here in just a minute. But she currently still flips houses, owns rentals, and is a private money lender from her self directed IRA. So, without further ado, let's bring in April. April. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you see that April is in a truck and we were just talking about this and, and she is um, living the RV life, right? You guys are on we this are. venture. Uh, so you, you and your husband, uh, any your kids, yes. did they join you? I know you're a pet lover. I've seen where your dog's with you, right? Yeah, my dog, um, my just me and my husband and my dog. Yep. Nice. Nice. 
how how is it living in an RV? Like you you go from this because my wife and I have talked about this, and we have a three year plan to do it. Uh, part of that plan is number one, save with the money. The second part of that plan is you probably just heard number two or number three scream. She's a year old. Uh, let them get a little bit older. You know, yeah. let the kids a little bit older before we venture out. Um, but how is it? How how's the whole RV life, like how long have y'all been going? Like you're originally from Pennsylvania, you live in and you invest mm -hmm. in there. Um, how is it transitioning from a house to a very small living space? Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, it's just me and my husband and my dog. My dog's like a hundred pounds. So that counts as like almost a third full that's, size That's person. another human, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a big dog. <laughs> um, but we really like it. We lived in the winter in Arizona for three months. Every winter we'd go out to Arizona and live in it. And we were just like, it's so freeing. You're just like downsizing, getting rid of a ton of belongings. And the goal, really your RV is there so that you can sleep and like have a place to sometimes cook and that's about it. But it's to like go out and see the world. And it's just like very... Uh, it's very freeing. Like yeah. we really like it. And it clears so much space. I just feel like the more clutter you have in your life, even if it's physical clutter, you, you have no clarity about anything. So gotcha. sometimes I find even if you're like at a crossroads in your business, um, it really helps to just like downsize and get rid of everything and bring clarity to everything. Yeah. And, we love and when it. you're, if you're listening to this, she's making, um, like a drawing noise for a drawing <laughs> gesture from her head. Like it's meant to, it's a mental clarity that you're talking yes. about, right? Oh yeah. Yep. For sure. For so sure. How yep. often do you have to in your real estate investing? Cause you're full-time real estate. We're going to get into your store here in mm -hmm. just a minute. I have no idea why I led with RV question, No, that's, but okay. that's where we're at. But how often in your investing business do you have, do you seek this mental clarity? Cause it, you know, it's a, it's a big piece of, um, investing and trying to work and raise kids or dogs or whatever the case is like you, you're, you get so much cluttered up in here, right? That mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to, uh, I want to say detox, but you need to unplug for a minute and, and go yeah. have a level set, right? How often do you have to do that? Because I personally need to do it more. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like, enough. I feel like people should at least be doing it quarterly. Um, okay if not more often. And I think for us, we never did it often enough ever. And I just have these moments in my business where I would be like, why am I on this path? And why am I doing these things? Am I just doing it because everyone else is doing it? Am I doing it because I have an end goal in mind? And am I really happy when there's times in my business, there's always going to be times you're super stressed. Like there's this yeah. false myth, you're going to wake up and love your life and, <laughs> and never have stress every day if you do what you love. And it's just, it's not true. You're always going to have stress. But there's times where I'm like, am I truly happy and following my purpose? And sometimes when I feel unclear about that and foggy and lost, I feel like I have to go reset myself. I feel like most people should do it quarterly. For us, we've kind of gotten to the point where we're like, let's just go for a year and see what happens. Y'all are on a year journey right now? Is that, um, is that the plan? It'll probably be at least a year, maybe longer. We'll see how long we last. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear the kids screaming? Ah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. They're supposed to be working their way outside. And um, uh, apparently that was number two. She does not want to go for some reason. But anyway, um, 
so what are the, some of the things that you do other than, because most people, you know, it, it would be unrealistic if they're not full-time real estate investors, they have a full-time job. It's unrealistic for most people to say, okay, I'm going to declutter. We're going to downsize. We're going to get an RV uh, and we're going to take off for a couple of weeks. What are, what are some of the other things that you've done to help you declutter mentally? Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I worked full-time for a long time and slowly transitioned out of my job into real estate full-time. And honestly, then when I started flipping full-time, I just got myself another full-time job. I was just flipping houses. So, I mean, we yeah. can get into that too. But um, like when I was working full-time, my husband and I would leave our house and when we were doing goal planning or we needed time to just get clear with, about what direction we were heading, we would go to a hotel 10 minutes from where we lived and stay at a hotel for two nights. And as dumb as that sounds, you're there without all the distractions of your house and laundry and cooking and this and that. And you come, you just have one goal and it's like, all we're gonna do for these two days is get clear about this and that's it. Yeah. That, and I just think for some people, they find a lot of clarity going on vacation and vacation doesn't have to be like something expensive where you're flying out of the country. Americans do not take enough time off at yeah. all like for themselves and when you do that and you can relax and not be cluttered in your mind is really when you can find clarity about your goals not you're not going to find it by working more and yeah. digging more and working harder you're not going to find it there <laughs> you, you're right and and uh for most people unfortunately they only have the two weeks out of year where they can do something and a lot of folks especially if you have kids you go on vacation and vacation is like more work than yeah. staying at home. So there's, but yeah. you, what you're talking about is, is truly just unplugging kind of decluttering mentally. And yeah. I guess For this some, is one, one of the things, and maybe you guys have experienced this on your RV trip when I'm driving, when I'm by myself, uh, which happens rare these days, cause I used to work for a company where I travel on all the time. No, they were day trips, but they were, you know, I would get four to six hours of windshield time a day. And those trips would go by so fast because my mind was just elsewhere. You know, yeah. I'd done the trip so many times, like I would leave my house. I would remember leaving my house and then I would show up wherever I was supposed to be going. I was like, yeah, wow, what just happened? Like it was, yeah. uh, it was a very good, uh, mental decline. Matter of fact, I, I kind of missed those days a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's it. It's just a long drive. It's yeah. meditating, it's reading a good book, it's taking a time out just to sit and like decompress and watch a movie. It's just that decompress quiet time. Yeah, yeah. just unplug really. Or um, hiking, just like people have to find yes. kind of what works for them and gets them out into a place of peace where they feel more centered. I love that yeah. you guys went to a hotel 10 minutes from your house for a yeah. night, for a day or two and just that's, that's, that's pretty cool. One of the things you said earlier about, um, you, you know, working a job, even if you're passionate about it, if you love it, uh, it's still work, right? I think yeah. one of the biggest lies I've ever heard and convinced myself of is that when you, you know, the old saying is when you find a job that you, you're passionate about and you don't worry about the money, but you worry about the passion that you'll never work a day in your life. And that is just such bullshit. I mean, that's yeah. not, <laughs> I am sorry. I hate to burst everyone's bubble. Who's, who's doing that or, you know, holding on to that. But regardless of what you're doing, you're, you're going to bust your ass to get there. Yeah. The other thing, and I apologize if you're listening, uh, I need to stop us on uh, the podcast, <laughs> but no, I had this, I had this lady in the Facebook group, uh, send me a message says, Hey, just want to let you know, 
that my son has now recognized your voice and he like listens to your podcast all the time. And I'm like, you know, I never thought there would be kids listening to this and I don't want to yeah. be the one to introduce them to some words and they go to mommy no. and daddy and say, so let's get off our ass and do something. And they're like, yeah. how did you hear that word? Uh, on the W2 Capitalist podcast. I don't want that to be the case. So parents, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm cleaning that up. But it is more rewarding to be passionate about. And I was talking to um, one of the members of the mastermind. I was like, you know, because um, we had our call Tuesday night and I realized that it had been six months since I left the W2 world. And I was like, you know, I've never felt like I've been more clear about what I was trying to accomplish. I've never been more excited and motivated about trying to accomplish, but I've worked probably more on this business and in this business in the last six months. than I worked for the mm -hmm. last, I don't know, 10 years, you know, mm -hmm. last night I was up to like two 30 in the morning, which is really odd. Well, it's becoming a normal for me, but that's, this is one of the biggest lies. So you left your W2 job. So tell it to go flipping full time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us what were you doing before? And then, and then transition into full time flipping. And then you realize, well, I just transitioned one job for another and kind of where you're at now. Right. So what, yeah. what did you do before for a W2? So I was a respiratory therapist. So I worked in okay. a hospital with patients on life support machines, like ventilators, stuff like that. Um, and I did that for 13 years and I was super passionate about it. I wanted to be the CEO of a hospital and I was in school for my master's degree. When I started learning about real estate, I was shadowing the CEO of a hospital. Like that was my path. I was going down mm. when I learned about real estate. I was like, well, I don't have time to do both. So I'm going to drop out of my <laughs> master's program and keep learning about real estate. I read a book and I just got hooked and I started taking classes and courses and reading and you know, started flipping houses like very slowly, very, my journey was very slow because I was working full time. So I'm yeah. flipping maybe one, two, three houses a year. Then once I was flipping three houses a year for three years in a row, because we wanted to do the birth strategy and buy rentals, because that is where you're truly going to grow wealth is by buying yeah. rentals, not flipping houses. So we wanted to buy rentals um, so I didn't want to just up and leave my job because I wanted to show a track record. So to me, my track record was, okay, I'm flipping three houses a year for three years in a row. It's equal to my income I'm making in the hospital. So then when I left my job, I could show the bank, yes, I left my job. But hey, during the last three years, I've been making my hospital income via flipping. So really nothing has changed. And now I want to do a cash out refi on this rental. So it was very thought out. I didn't just like up and quit because I was like, oh, I flipped a house. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm leaving. It wasn't like that. And then I was flipping like three houses a year. And then we started flipping a little bit more. And I was just miserable because it kind of goes back to what you said. I work harder than I ever did before the day I jumped ship and started my own business. I work longer hours. I work harder. Flipping is hard. No one talks about like how hard it is. And <laughs> I was, I was like, this is not freedom. Uh, this is not what I've read in all these books. Like, what am I doing wrong? So I sat down with a friend one day and was just like, I'm just like miserable, like talking to contractors, talking to the project manager, this, that, like everyone's pulling at me. I can't keep up. And I think I'm just going to quit. I said, I could go back to the hospital and like go back for my master's and make more money. And so she referred me to a mastermind where they kind of taught me how to be like the CEO of my business. So actually mm. when we started RVing, 
we started just going to Arizona for three months in the winter. And that was great because I had to leave my business for three months and work remotely. And it opened my eyes to how much I was an employee and mm. not the CEO because people still needed me. Like I, and I tell people now, if you can't walk away from your business for three months and still have it running, then you are an employee of your business. You're not the CEO of your business. So I transitioned out of it, but I tell people I just went from working in a hospital full-time to flipping houses full-time. I just went from one job to another job. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah. I'm curious. Did you, did you go back and finish your master's degree? No, no, <laughs> I actually, uh, and when you leave a healthcare job, like I had, you have a license. So then you yeah. have to decide if you're going to completely give up your license or continue do continuing ed so you can maintain it. Should you ever have to go back? And I, my mom was very accomplished and published in magazines and was like one level below a CEO of the hospital in her career. So I was kind of following in her footsteps. And I still remember the day I told her I was leaving my job. I'm like, I'm leaving my healthcare job. I thought she was going to pass out behind the counter. <laughs> and she was like, you're not giving up your license, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Like, I don't want my license. I don't want a safety net. If I'm going to yeah. fall, I'm going to fall flat on my face. So even now I'm like, I couldn't go back if I wanted to. Like, I don't have yeah. the ability to go back to that career. Yeah. That's, that's funny you mentioned that because this was hard for me to do. But when, so I got laid off COVID-19, right? May 1st of this year. Okay. And when that happened, I, I mentally made that decision. It's like, I'm not going back, right? And so a lot of the stuff of the messaging that I'm putting out, I actually called out uh, the executives of the uh, company I was at because of how they handled the situation. I think it was total BS, uh, mm -hmm. the reason why they laid people off. Uh, now, I am thankful that they uh, they did it. I mean, it's not one of those things where I'm like, oh man, I wish I had my job back. It's not, it, it is the best kick in the butt that I've ever needed. But I called them out in this video that I put out and then uh, one of my coworkers who also got like, so I got let go and then half my team got let go and it was almost, almost about 10% of the company that was laid off. He emailed me and he said, interesting video. I was like, yep. I said, I'm making it to where I will not go back. And he goes, yeah, I think you've accomplished that. <laughs> so, uh, burn the bridges, right? Burn the bridges. Yeah. No one's going back or burn the, burn the ships. Um, yeah. not, that's, a, that's the same thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. so not having your, my, so my parents are the same way, right? When I talk to them today, I think they finally understand that I'm, I'm full-time investor and that's okay. It's very foreign to them. Um, they've always been, Hey, get a good job, mm -hmm. uh, work there and then retire or whatnot. I wouldn't say they're very supportive of that. It's very much mm -hmm. like probably your mom. You're like, you're doing what, you know, you're mm -hmm. not even going to renew your license. You know, why aren't you going to have the safety net? How did that make you feel when you, when you heard that for the very first time, right? Yeah, it was, uh, everyone was telling me that I would be back like in six, your <laughs> license, your license won't expire for like six months. So you have six months to come back. You'll be back. You'll be back. And it made me, you kind of have to like block that out. So it was a mix of emotions. When I left my W2, I was scared. I actually feel like I went through a period of depression because I worked in the hospital with a whole bunch of other people. So I went to this environment every day. My friends were there. That's mm -hmm. who I was friends with. We, I had stuff in common with them. 
we had all this camaraderie. It was like a, a family and I left that. So I was kind of yeah. lost for like six months to a year because I was like, I would go back to visit and I feel like I had nothing in common because I was starting this new path in life. It was very difficult and something people don't really talk about. So I had to make an effort to connect with people in real estate investing that I had something in common with that I could talk to. So you go through a wide array of emotions, especially mm -hmm. with family. And even now, I mean, like even with like private money and stuff, like my family doesn't really take interest in what I do. And so when they tell me things like, oh, our retirement account lost this much this month, or they're struggling with this. <laughs> and I'm like, do you realize I make people thousands and thousands of dollars every year because they lend me money and I invest it in real estate for them. And you are my family and you're struggling at still no interest. Like no don't, don't want to learn about it, hear about it. And that makes me sad. So it's everything yeah. from like anxiety to sadness to like, I'm just going to block that out and focus on the positive and people that believe in me. And I feel like they believe in me and they're supportive but they don't understand it or take interest in it, you know? And sometimes yeah. that's hard. So you have to find like a real estate family to connect it, with. You do. And, and, and it's one of those things where since we started, you know, six years ago, uh, has mind I mean, it's mind boggling to me. Like people who I told, Hey, six years ago, Hey, we're going to start investing in real estate. You know, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Very close friends. Right. Uh, out of my closest of friends, I had one, who uh, in, partnered with me on a deal. We're under contract now to sell that and he's gonna get, um, I think it's like 52% return on, on his money. So, you know, a little over double of yeah. uh, what he invested. And the rest of them were just kind of sitting back and they're just like, no, nah, we're not, not interested in doing that. And uh, family, so family as well, right? They're they're not uh, in, uh, interested in it. So, and it, it's depressing, but you, you're right. You have to find your uh, real estate investing family, which sounds like you found through uh, a mastermind, right? Yeah. Which, well, I think those are extremely important. Matter of fact, Thank I just you. got off the phone with a guy uh, who wants to join or got off the phone, got off the Zoom with a guy who wants to join the W2 Capitalist Mastermind. And he said that he goes, I just need to be around people who, and this guy, he flips, um, 30 homes a year. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, first of all, you're going to be probably the most experienced flipper we have in the group. Mm -hmm. I said, second of all, um, if you need somebody to hold your feet to the fire and understands what you're going through, uh, being a parent, having kids wanting to flip, I was like, that's, this is the group. They're going to do it. They're mm -hmm. going to come in, bring you in with open arms, give you a big hug, and then they're going to kick you in the ass, you know, mm -hmm. sorry, kids, kick in the butt. <laughs> I got to work on that. Um, I don't even, I don't even, I don't cuss that much, but when I get on here and we start talking about stuff I'm really yeah. passionate about, I guess it just comes out. But, yeah. um, so what mastermind were you in? I'm curious what mastermind did you join? Um, so I'm into, I'm in investor fuel, which is like a flipping yeah. it's more geared towards flipping. Um, and I'm in a is that group Mike Hambright. Mike Hambright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm in a group um, kind of close to where I live in Pennsylvania. And that one's more for syndication and buying larger commercial properties. And both are really like family. And people always ask me kind of, what's your biggest regret through your real estate career? That's what most newbies will ask me that question. I'm like, my biggest regret is not belonging to a mastermind 
soon yeah. enough because I can't tell you the number of lows I have have had in the past because I felt so lonely, like I had no one to bounce things off of or no one that understood being a business owner in this business. And I, my biggest regret hands down is not being part of a mastermind or multiple masterminds sooner yeah. in my career. Like I, I probably, I've had coaches on and off, but I didn't join a mastermind until two years ago. And I feel like I could have gone so much further, so much faster if I would have done it sooner. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I hear that constantly. And I encourage people don't join just the W2 capitalist look for other ones because you're going to get something from each oh, and every one do. of them. That's true. Yeah. Have yeah. a couple mentors, have a couple of uh, coaches, you know, you constantly got to be improving to, to ebb and flow with the market. Right. Yeah, so um, for sure. it's, it's very cool. And I I've had Mike on the podcast before. That's why when you said investor fuels like that, that is very yeah. familiar. So yeah, uh, I enjoy talking to him. He's, he's got his, uh, I was about to cuss. He's got his stuff together. <laughs> Yeah, he he's does, definitely yeah. got his stuff, stuff together. Yeah. Kind of envy where he's at in his position, but he's been doing this a lot longer than I have. So yeah, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned you were you were doing two or three flips a year before you went full time. Your very first flips, though how how involved were they? Right, because I, I you've done it for a couple of years, and I after that third year or so, when those two or three flips are paying you know your salary. I'm assuming in the position you were in, you were making close to six figures or a little over six figures. So we're talking about, you know, you're making 35,000 per flip. I mean, those are, those are big, those are big jobs, but is that where you started? Right. Or is that you kind of built up to that? And I'm asking from a guy who's never flipped before, but yeah, just curious our... about it. Hey guys, I want to take a break from the interview with April and let you know about the W2 Capitalist Mastermind. You've heard April and I talk about masterminds a little bit so far and how beneficial they are to help us in our growing our business and growing our investing portfolio. Uh, the WG Capitalist Mastermind is a virtual mastermind. It's built for all experience levels and niches of real estate investing. We have over 20 calls that are hosted at various times all throughout the month. And it's just a way of uh, for you to get connected with like-minded people from across the country who want to see you succeed, who have been through what you're going through and want to help hold you accountable to building your own success as April refers to it, uh, during the episode here, uh, become your REI family, right? And the family that wants to support you to your success, right? Link is in the show notes. And if you can find out more at w2capitalist.com slash mastermind, but for now, let's get back to the interview with April. So our average profit per flip is usually, it depends on the year. We track it every year. Um, I think last year it was 32,000. The year before that was 35. In the beginning, we might make 20, 25. There are still flips now that we'll make 20, 25. Out. I've done quick turns this year where we just buy it, put it right back on the market and we'll make 15,000. And I'm like, whatever, I didn't do anything to it except clean it out. <laughs> um, so it kind of, it varies a little bit. But when I was first doing in the beginning, our average was probably around 20 to 25 per flip. And we, I honestly always steered clear of heavy, heavy rehabs, like structural or massive rehabs. I always shied away from those. Over the past two years, I've met a guy in my area who's phenomenal. He's a contractor and he does, and this is a great lesson for people who are starting and flipping. He knows all about structural issues and stuff like that. So now when I do massive flips that are like a 50, 60, $80,000 rehab, him and I did an $80,000 rehab together. I joint venture 
And people think mm -hmm. I'm crazy. They're like, you're going to split your profit with someone? Like, just hire people as contractors. I'm like, no way. This guy knows, has more <laughs> connections, more connections for big rehab and knows way more about these massive rehabs than I do. Like, I don't care about splitting my profit with him. Like, great. So he makes money and I make money. I'm paying him for his expertise. So now we yep. don't shy away from the massive flips. Um, but in the beginning, like we, and even in the beginning when I was flipping, I was doing like painting, tearing out carpet. I mean, we were doing like, like the Labor. dirty work. I mean, yeah. 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 You know, it's funny when people say don't split the profits, well, you're also splitting the risk, right? Yes. So that's, uh, yes. that's the other side of that coin that people don't yes. realize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the origin of, of your story, right? And, and talking about which I found out in this book, Success Habits of Super Achievers, where you're featured with some really big names like Darren Hardy, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, uh, you know, and several others. But it goes into your story where you're 16, you're pregnant, you're on welfare. And I, I, I'm curious at that time in your life, because um, I was... 34, 35 before I realized, oh yeah, 90% of millionaires get that way by real estate investing. Why don't I go jump on that train? Right. Yeah. But you started way earlier. And uh, I think this goes to just how much smarter you are than I am, but you're, but you had a lot of stuff going on in your teens that, that I don't know, did it help you? Did it hurt you? What do you, did it set you up for where you are now? Because, yeah. um, you know, I teen pregnancy is real right? Yeah. Uh, being on welfare is real, but you did not let that hold you back, right? Yeah. From going and getting uh, or pursuing your master's degree. And then you're like, wait a minute, there's this real estate investing stuff. Let me, but let's talk about when you were 16, pregnant on welfare. What did you think the next couple of years of your life was going to look like? Right? So I think when I was 16 and going through that, um, I like I always was a straight A student. I graduated mm. like 10th or something in my class from high school. Like I was always smart and driven. And I knew that about myself. Like I can probably do anything I want to do. And when I was going through that, it's amazing. Like it doesn't matter how good your grades are <laughs> or like what kind of student you are. People will still tell you, okay, but now you're 16 and pregnant. So now um, you will be on welfare for the rest of your life. Nobody really tells you like you can still do anything you want to do. They just kind of shove you down this pathway of, oh, poor you, like you're done. Mm. I think how it shaped me was when I had my son, I had my son a couple days before I turned 17 and I had to like wake up every day. My, my parents were supportive in the fact that they didn't kick me out of the house, but I still had to help pay bills. I had to pay his food, my food. So they were kind of like, listen, this is your life now. Like you need to start supporting yourself. And when you're ready to move out, like move out. Um, so I had a lot of responsibility. So I remember waking up, driving him to daycare, dropping him off at daycare, driving to high school so I could finish high school, driving back and picking him up. So it made me grow up very quickly and I had to become very responsible. And while everyone else was going to prom and going out drinking on their 21st birthday and doing all these things, I couldn't do those things. Like I lost I lost that ability when I decided I'm gonna take responsibility and like mm. take care of my son and better myself. So I think it helped me because I had to put my head down and just ignore everything everyone was saying to me. And when you're that young and going through that, 
you lose a lot of friends. I didn't really have a lot of friends and a lot of things going on because I couldn't be involved in those things. Yeah. My life had to be, how am I going to better myself and how am I going to take care of my son and get back on my feet? So I think that really helped me because even in real estate, I don't get real wrapped up with like having a lot of friends and knowing everybody. I'm just kind of like, this is the path I'm on and this is what I want to learn about. And I keep my head down and I make a lot of connections and I join masterminds, but I'm very focused. I'm very yeah. focused. And I think that I was just shaped at that time in my life to just like, you need to look out for yourself and build yourself up because no one else is going to do it for you. Everyone kind of wanted to like tear me down. So it took me to a place of, I'm going to prove myself. And to this day, I say to people, even like I've taken on a bigger project now where um, we're working on this hundred unit building in PA and my partners on that, I always say to them, I don't want you to hand me anything. Like I want to prove myself, let me prove myself. And then once I prove myself, you can tell people I'm part of this project, but until I prove myself, just leave my name off of it. Like I just want to be mm. the silent one in the background. So it kind of like, it made me a lot stronger than what I ever was before. Yeah. It really did. Well, and also, you know, I mean, it's funny that when you were going through that, in your, your late teens, your early twenties, you just said this, Hey, I, I didn't have a lot of friends, uh, you know, and fast forward today, it sounds like you have very few friends like me. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. and the friends that I do have or people that I do call my friends, when we get together, we talk about real estate investing and our next moves and all this other stuff. So, yeah. um, that's interesting that, uh, you were forced to do that at an early age. Let me ask you something. Are you motivated, uh, when people tell you that you can't do something or you're not oh, qualified yeah. to do something? Yeah. Oh yeah. Too. People, people think that's crazy. And people are like, you shouldn't let your motivation come from that. And I've listened to all different kinds of speakers and read all different kinds of books and I'm, I'm comfortable with it. And I don't think it's a bad thing and nothing drives me more than when people doubt me or when I fall flat on my yeah. face. That yeah. is what <laughs> always pushes me to the next level. Always. Yeah. Not afraid to fail. Right. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. When I was um, in college, I decided I was going to walk on and play football and um, my dad sat me down and he, he said, look, I just want you to read this. It was like a, um, how they treat walk-ons, right? And I mean, you are the scrum, you're the tackling dummies, right? You're there to get beat up by the starters, by the people who are, you know, on scholarship and whatnot. And when he showed that to me, his intention was for it to deter me, right? And it did nothing more but make me want to to, to do it then, right? To, yeah. to actually go for it. And uh, a year later, I started in the spring game and then, um, and then I quit after that. I was like, you know what? I think I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I'm going to go focus on the next chapter. Um, I am curious though. You seem extremely motivated. You seem like you've always been motivated, but you have this uh, domain. You have this business called Lazy Girl REI. But you're yeah. not lazy at all. What? What is? What, so how? How am I? What am I missing here? What's the connection? So I called it Lazy Girl REI because I don't. People perceive me as lazy because. Now I, I say things like I will never walk into a Home Depot or a Lowe's. I will <laughs> not paint. I will not try and be an expert at anything I'm not an expert at. And that 
my laziness is my genius. That's what I tell people. Like I've gotten this far because I know that I don't know it all and I'm not the best and I'm not the best on my team. So I feel like I'm comfortable and lazy with what my strengths are. And I just farm everything out to everybody else. So like I have a project manager, I have someone that does sales and acquisitions for me. I have a contractor and I rely heavily on those people. And I'm like, listen, my, my strengths are raising private money and doing marketing and working on marketing outside of that. I don't want anything to do with this flip project or this flipping business anymore. Mm -hmm. Like my project manager called me the other day and was like, Hey, this house is ready to go on the market. Did you want to see it before it goes on? I'm like, Nope, <laughs> I'll see it when it hits Zillow and the MLS. <laughs> like don't care. I'm not really, I'm not into houses. People want me to be really into it and pick out flooring and paint. I'm terrible at that stuff. I'm like, to me, to me, it's a business. I flipped houses to get out of my job. I'm still flipping houses because it gives me money and supports my, my bills and my life. And it also adds to my private lending bucket because we're passionate mm -hmm. about private lending. But other than that, when people talk to me about flooring and paint colors and houses, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. Like I care about passive income, growing wealth, helping other people grow wealth. Those are my strengths. So I guess when I say lazy girl REI, I'm, I'm super hyper-focused on what I'm good at and I don't want to do anything else, nothing else. I don't want to do anything I'm not good at. I'm very comfortable with what I suck at in life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that's, that's a, I think that's a huge growth standpoint, right? Especially being able to trust somebody and allow somebody else to do it, but have your name on it. And I seriously doubt your very first flip or very, uh, or the very first 10 flips you were like that or right. were you? No. And I tell people that I'm like, that's where I'm at now. But when in the beginning I did everything I could, I was like, can I hang this light fixture by myself? Maybe not, but I'm going to try. <laughs> like, can I pick out paint? I'm not the best at it, but I'm going to try. Like I did what I had to do to get into the game. And if that meant ripping out carpet and painting walls, our rental properties, I can remember painting our rental properties at like nine o'clock at night after working a 12 hour shift. Mm. Like that's just, I did what I had to do because we couldn't afford any to outsource anything else. But when I joined my masterminds, I learned how to structure my business to be able to afford to bring more people on. Yeah. So again, it comes back to the whole who's doing what you want to be doing and how do you get yourself there? So stop yeah. people, people in almost like enjoy the struggle, not enjoy it. They become comfortable in the struggle. They become comfortable waking up every day and saying like, I own my own flip business, but I'm miserable in it, but <laughs> they do nothing to like learn how to grow and get out of it. Yeah. yeah and, and nothing annoys me more than somebody who just constantly complains yeah you know, about that i'm like you're, you're the person who can set that straight right you are the only person that can set that straight and quite frankly i'm tired of hearing you make excuses yeah yeah you know, so i don't know we, we get into that sometime in the mastermind i'm not as harsh i'm uh uh with them in the mastermind in front of a group of people uh than i was just pretending to be but it's, <laughs> it, it does it underneath i'm trying to hold that person back and not just come out and say, well, slap them in the face. But anyway, um, it, when you were 16 and, and you had all this stuff going on, 
you had to be going through some self-doubt and like, oh, you know, you got all these people around you saying, look, this is your life now. Your life is ruined. I'm using air quotes for people who are listening. Yeah. Uh, your life is ruined. You know, you're, you're going to always going to be on welfare. That had to impact you a little bit, right? As far as, man, I'm really good. But somehow you rose above it, right? And now you're to this point where how many houses are you flipping a year now? Um, but somewhere usually between like 25 and 30. Okay. And yep. you... Um, how many how many rentals do you have um oh my gosh that's a great question we were holding about 40 units but we okay. sold a whole bunch because the market's been so good so good yeah yeah so it's a, no it's a great a time to sell so we're no. probably like only holding like 30 some units right now and we're okay. only i won't buy anymore because we're only buying bigger we won't buy anything small anymore gotcha yeah so to this day when you go take on a new project or you look at a new rental, do you have self-doubt now? And then, you know, how do you overcome that? Yeah. Tons of self-doubt. And I think yeah. it drives people. Which is crazy because you, yeah. how many, how many properties have you flipped now? I don't even know. Tons. It's, I couldn't even, I never kept track or count. Couple hundred. And, yeah, probably tons. So much so, so it doesn't even phase me anymore. But yeah. But you but you still have some sort of self-doubt, right? You start a new project yeah. and you, all these things come up like all these emotions like, "Oh man, what if what if we don't do this right? What if we lose yeah. money on this deal?" Um, Always. How do you get above that? How do you how do you bunker down and just push through it and rely yeah. on, "Hey, look, I've done this." get out of here, negative thoughts, get out of here. I don't want to, I don't really want to hear that crap, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, I just have to tell myself, you can go round and round in your head about everything that's going to go wrong. Or you can just say, um, stuff will go wrong and that's okay, but I'm going to do my best to turn it right. Mm. Like, and I think once you reflect back on projects you've done, no project goes perfectly. And we have hiccups in every project. And I always have to just take a deep breath and say, okay, all you can do is fix it and move forward. I mean, I bought an eight unit building two years ago. It's probably one of the worst purchases I've ever made. Like it needed, <laughs> the building was so old and it's going to be a cash cow someday. But right now it's just like sucking the life out of me because all this stuff keeps going wrong with it. And I'm like, okay, I can wallow in self-pity about it or I can keep making it better and keep moving forward so I can keep the building nice and keep raising rents and it will be throwing off cash someday. Um, so I just think you will go through times where you will wallow in self-pity. And that yeah. comes back to the mastermind, having mm -hmm. friends in real estate that have been through stuff that are gonna be real and talk about the tough times they've been in so that if you can't snap yourself out of it, they snap you out of it by saying, yeah. is it really that bad? Or can you turn, <laughs> can you turn this around? You're not, you're not always going to be able to pull yourself back up and like believing yourself. That to me is just a fact. I've been there where I've had to rely on other people that are like, yeah, but look how far you've come and look at how you could turn this around. So I think just mentally being able to reset yourself for me, it's having great business partners, listening to great YouTube videos that might sound crazy, but like I'm huge on like listening to books on audible, having my go-to YouTube videos to like snap me out of my, mm -hmm. my funk and like my mental defeat, you know? What's your favorite YouTube video motivational to get, uh, to get so you there's out of the this, I have a couple, but there's this video called, um, the contenders and I can send you a link if you want to, post a link like in the comments yep. or something, but, um, it's a great, just like short 
motivational video. My business partner and I listen to it all the time. There's this one line in it that says something like, um, uh, every opportunity is your last opportunity. Like you have to take every opportunity that you can every day and like turn it into something. Yeah, it's a great video. I, please, I think I just found it, but I want to make sure I get the right one. So if you can, when we hang up, yeah, if you well, will send it to me, I'll you. definitely put it in there. When, when people hear that, you know, there are going to people here that say, well, I don't, I don't need to watch a video uh, to get motivated. And I'll challenge them like, what, Okay, well, how do you get motivated? I'm like, well, yeah. I don't need to be motivated when really everybody at some point in time is going to find themselves in a rut, right? And they have yeah. to get out. Um, it's just, and I've found, I've, there's one that Matthew McConaughey just put out, um, which by the way, I just, I'm watching, matter of fact, before we connected, I was watching his interview on Joe Rogan because he's got a new book that's coming out. And um, he's a very interesting guy, you know, yeah. and, and uh, but, I enjoy watching those. So I, I have not heard of this one yet, the contenders, but um, I'm, I'm curious, you're, you said you do a lot of private money lending now. What's your criteria for private money loans? Um, it kind of depends. So we started out just doing like flip loans to people in my local okay. market that I know. Now we primarily invest into apartment syndications. So we invest into larger stuff. Um, like in our area, a lot of times we'll just lend like short-term flips, six months, 12%, no points um, to people that we know. And then in six months it comes back again and then we'll do it again. Sometimes with self-directed IRA money, some, I have like old retirement accounts from when I worked yep. at the hospital, I put into a self-directed, um, sometimes with personal funds. So just kind of depends on the deal and who the borrower is. We look at a little bit of both. Yeah, um, very cool. Um, all right. Two questions. Yep. One is going to be about the book, uh, Success Habits of Super Achievers. In this book, you mentioned that you had this epiphany, right? You're working this um, job at the hospital. You're going for your master's. You pick up a book that basically says, you know, the, the heavens open, this light shone down and said, April, real estate investing is the way. And your comment in the book says, this book has to be a lie. Yeah. What book was that? Do you remember? Uh, the One Minute Millionaire. The One Minute Millionaire. I, I don't yep. know that I've read that before. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Okay. It's a pretty <laughs> cool book. It has like little short stories about people that basically like got into investing and my husband had it and I read it and it goes back to the whole like proving things wrong. I don't know what my problem is that I like to prove things wrong, but um, I read this Me book. And you and both. I, yeah, I read this book and I was like, this has to be a total lie and I'm going to set out to prove it wrong. So I'm just going to learn more about it and see if this book's a lie. And then I was just like totally sucked into the real estate world. <laughs> Turns out it's not a, it's not a lie. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you and I are cut from the same cloth when it comes to that. So, um, all right, let's see. All right, I want to give you one of these crazy questions we talked about earlier. Are you okay. ready for this? I'm ready. Go ahead. I'm going to look for one uh, that's friendly and doesn't you to <laughs> no, say, no, I'm not going to answer that. Um, all right, here's, here's a good one. Do you have any hidden talents that you should nurture? that I should nurture. Yes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents at all? 
Um, I don't really. I do or is this a better question for your husband? Like, I, you guys have been together for a while. He knows you really well. There's probably he things does. that you, you guys do. You know what do he would that, say? He would jokingly say, he's like, April, you do a really good Axl Rose impression. <laughs> <laughs> from guns, from Guns and Roses. So yeah. as dumb as that sounds, I do do a really badass Axl Rose impression. All right. So I don't know if that's a great hidden talent that's going to get me really far in life. But I think if I people are like, if you weren't in real estate, you should be. You would make a really good comedian. So if I wasn't in real estate, I'd be a comedian. I do my Axl Rose impression. <laughs> All right, which so I will, let's. Which I will. I will not do for you now. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got. To, I've got to see this. Is it? Is it just verbal? I mean, is it? I mean, oh, are no, you? It's got. It's yeah. It's like. Are the you whole doing this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So do me a favor. Just step out of the truck and just do it. For, do it for us. No, you got to be on the right floor. You got to like have socks on and be on like a slippery floor so you can ah, really get the axle okay. rose. You got to get the axle rose sway. So. All right, so when you get back to the RV tonight, have your husband film you do this and send me a video and we'll add it to the YouTube. Uh, for you guys listening on the podcast, I'm sorry you're going to miss out on this, but you can you can come check it out on the YouTube channel. Uh, the Axl Rose uh, comedian. That's that's funny. That, that's not uh, what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting to hear, but it definitely Axl Rose was not anywhere near the radar are you a big uh, Axl Rose fan or 80s hair bands or I'm not like I mean I used to listen to that stuff like back in the day but I don't know why I'm obsessed I'm just obsessed with like the way Axl Rose dances like with the microphone when he's on stage <laughs> I don't know why I just think it's funny uh, so. I, I said something the other day that I I can't remember most of the time I can't remember exactly what I did yesterday or last week but if there's an 80s hairbang song comes on, I'm singing every word to it. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, that's, yep. that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, Axl Rose. Uh, I'm, excuse me, April, April Crossley. Uh, where can people connect with you more? I know you're very active on Instagram. and, and um, is it, at least That's where you and I connected, I think, was on Instagram, yep. right? Mm -hmm. But where, yeah. where can more people find out more about you and get involved with lazy girl and, and all the good stuff. Yeah. So my Instagram is April Crosley and my YouTube is the same thing. If you just Google April Crosley, it'll come up on YouTube. And uh, my website is there a is, video of you doing uh, Axl Rose on there? <laughs> no, but there's going to have to be now because people yes. are going to ask me. About there is. Yes. Um, and then my website is lazygirlrei.com. Which is such an oxymoron for, <laughs> for me, but I get it. I get it now. You explained it very well. You explained it very well. Yeah. April, thank you very much for being here. Um, living the RV life, which I know a lot of people are doing these days. And it's, it's funny because up until like I really started to focus on nurturing my REI family and, and my circle of who I hang around and who I listen to, this would have been nuts for me to think, you know, that you're doing this and the people that I already know are doing this. And the fact that we're trying to get to that point. Yeah. And, um, matter of fact, we just, we're waiting on our kids to get a little older. Um, also still have some reservations about doing that with three, three young yeah. ones, but we're, my wife has determined it's going to happen. It's just yeah. got to get them a little older, but Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out and going find a good spot that had really good reception and, and recording this. That, that's uh, amazing. I'm humbled and I appreciate that very much for, for doing that. So thank you. 
Thank um, you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida, and I hope you get to see some manatees. Thank uh, you. On your trip. Me too. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. You have a good day, Jay. All right. We'll see you. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with April Crossley and. Here's what I want to recommend as next steps for you. Number one, connect with April. She primarily hangs out on YouTube and Instagram. Both of those links will be in the show notes. I really want to encourage her to uh, show us that Axl Rose impression. So if you go to either one of those on her Instagram or YouTube, just put hashtag W2Capitalist, hashtag Axl Rose, and let's let's see if we can't get her to come out of her shell and show us that hidden talent that she's bragging about. Uh, the second step from here is to let us and the W2Capitalist community know what resonated with you here, right? Let us know about it in the community, w2capitalist.com slash community, or I'd love hearing from you. I love hearing from uh, getting messages from each and every one of you who listen to the podcast. So send me a message, just j at w2capitalist.com. I see those. I respond to every one of them. It's j at w2capitalist.com. Third step, check out DillCheck. DealCheck is the calculator that I use to analyze rentals and get fix and flips. I have not done fix and flips just yet. Got that bug that I want to, uh, that I need to get a cure of. And I think the only way I'm going to do that is to get more, more cowbell. So uh, if you want to receive 25% off the easiest investment calculator out there, sign up for DealCheck using the link. It's going to be in the show notes, but you can find it at w2capitalist.com slash DealCheck. When you go, you can sign up for a free account. It's absolutely free. You can look at how you can use it through burrs, rentals, flips, wholesaling, even with some multifamily stuff in there. It's absolutely free to try. And then it's about, for the, the option that I have, it's about five bucks a month on the annual plan. So DealCheck has various plans depending on your needs and niche. But if you want to see a demo, again, you can go to w2capitalist.com forward slash DealCheck. Make sure you use, when you get ready to check out, even though you sign up for a free account, make sure when you check out, you use the promo code W2CAP because that's going to get you an additional 25% off regardless if you sign up for the monthly or for the annual commitment, right? So three steps from here, right? Number one, go connect with April, hashtag W2Capitalist, hashtag Axel Rose. Uh, second thing is come to the W2Capitalist.com forward slash community. Let us know what resonated with you uh, about this episode or send me an email, j at W2Capitalist.com. Third step, Check out DealCheck, w2capitalist.com forward slash DealCheck. All right, guys, let's get out there and let's earn, invest, repeat. 